Welcome to Rambulay Gourmet Rambling. I'm your host, Quasi Joblo. Today we're going to talk about, you know, the the concept of uh, psychology, you know, the mind through psychology. And I'm going to talk to someone named Alex Salato. She's a licensed professional counselor with a master's in counseling and bachelor's in psychology. So we're going to pick her brain and see what she's done and information she's gotten just in her, you know, her just her involvement in the field of psychology. So how's it going, Alex? It's going well. So um, was psychology something that you, was it always what you were into? Did you kind of stumble into wanting to be into psychology? Um, so interesting enough, I started out um, as a nursing major and then mm. didn't like that, but knew I wanted to help people. So I tried to figure out another avenue. Psychology came really easily to me. And so I actually had like a breakdown and my mom's like, why don't you just do psychology? Mm-hmm. And it made so much sense to her. And then she said it and I was like, oh yeah, that actually is a really good idea. That's so. how it kind of happened for me. I uh, was going, I think I was a, cause I had switched, but I was a chemistry or biology major. And then um, I wasn't really liking the whole concept. I was meeting like med students and doctors and stuff. And they were kind of, they were all pretty, uh, they like, don't do this. Don't, don't do this. <laughs> I was telling him I wanted to be a brain surgeon. I wanted to study neurology. Uh, and so they were like, what, what the hell is wrong with you? And so I met a doctor at a hospital, and I was telling her what I wanted to do, but I was conflicted. And she asked me, like, uh, what did she say? She was like, well, if you can see yourself doing all this stuff for free, like, you know, brain doctors, you know, they don't, you know, neurosurgeons, they don't have any family their family you know they're you know usually just devoted to their work and you would have to say that if you really loved it you would do all this for free you have no time to yourself and so I was like no I don't want to do that that put it in perspective not for free and so then I was like I really became interested in like just searching the mind so when you first got into it was it uh was it still about because I know getting into psychology and taking all those classes it's pretty interesting like it becomes pretty like I know me, I'd learned not just what we do. I just, it seemed to me that the brain was always on and it was being able to process information even beyond if we were even understanding it, it had an understanding. So what was the thing that stood out to you when you first started getting into psychology, breaking up the information, you know? Kind of something similar. I thought it was just so intriguing that um, you could really kind of just understand people's actions and mm-hmm. just understand all of it and then like you said there's still so much more that we don't even know yet so i thought that was really intriguing yeah so what are you what are you doing with you know you have a master's in counseling everything what are you particularly doing because i know that it was said that you wanted to do a you were doing sports counseling as well right Mm -hmm. so i do a lot um and that's also something that drew me to psychology is because it is so versatile you can Um, use it in businesses you can use it in a hospital setting so I could still kind of dapple in that medical side if I wanted to you can use it in private practice so Mm -hmm. um, there's just a lot of ways you can do it and then specifically with sports psych military people use it Um, I mean psychology is applied to literally everything so So that's what's really crazy sorry no No, what you do in sports psych is it like what aspect of it is it so is it helping people who are in sports like maybe uh is it professional athletes or is it like college athletes or it's all athletes so it's mental performance um consulting so you help the athlete improve their performance mentally 
So mm. how strong is your mind? Like you work out every day, you focus on your diet, are you working on your mind? Mm. So what is your like self-talk like? What, um, how do you bounce back if you miss a field goal? That yeah. kind of stuff. So, so with that, are you already in that? Or are you already currently? So I have the education for it and then I'm essentially working on an internship. So I'm working towards hours to become credentialed and then I have to take a test. Psychology loves tests. Like you yeah, just take a bunch yeah. of tests to get licensed. Um, and so I will take that and then it's similar to equivalence of a sports psychology doctorate. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. So with the information that you've gotten out of that, what is one thing that affects athlete? Like what is a... I don't know how to say it, I guess, in terms of probably what, you know, would sound professional, but what's a negative thing that's affecting most athletes across the board psychologically? Um, honestly, a lot of it is like their self-talk. So their mm. expectation of themselves or outside expectations. Mm -hmm. um, so like high school kids, it's typically a lot of like their parents. They don't want to let them down. They've been doing this sport for their whole lives. Like, so then they start kind of getting their head that way. Um, college athletes, it's definitely just the pressure of being in college and playing sports. Like the way I like to put it in perspective is if you take like a big school like Ohio State mm -hmm. and you're putting these kids on TV, they're getting exposed with all this stuff that they may have never had before. And now they're essentially famous. They're only 18. Yeah. Like they're yeah, 18, yeah. 19 years old. Like if you think back when you're 18 or 19, like you probably didn't make great decisions either. Or yeah, yeah. you would have no idea how to handle those kinds of situations. So a lot of pressure gets applied. Um, a lot of pressure they may not have anticipated or thought of. Just so a lot of that. And then like, again, the self-talk and just wanting to be the best versions of themselves, athlete and student. Um, yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. So with... Are there, you know, athletes, and I guess people probably don't even probably think about the side that we're talking about it as being a part of what goes into being an athlete, having to have a, you know, a psychological connection to what you do anyway, you know, in any, I mean, in anything in your life. But what do you, th like, do you, have you, I know a lot of the time when I was in school, they had us do like, you know, mock interviews or mock uh, therapy sessions. Have you gotten to work with any athletes and just put your hands in the field and see what's affecting people these days? Because I know things that are affecting people now is probably different from like when I was in college or high school. You know, that was, oh my God, that was 17 years ago. So, you know, so, yeah. So what is it? What is it? Is it, does the internet have anything to do with that? So oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Social media sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In some aspects. I mean, it's a big, inf especially um high school for yeah, sure yeah it affects them more there i think college people can kind of check it out a little bit more or use it to their advantage so like creating um there's quite a few d1 athletes now that are using tiktok to kind of um get a following and then now the whole likeness mm. thing that they're getting paid for that's worked to their advantage so i think it's wonderful in those aspects but and a lot of times it's they're comparing to other athletes or just mm. normal stuff that we do like you compare to, oh, that girl has this, or that guy has this, this, and this, and I don't, what am I doing different? Except they have the whole other layer of being a D1 athlete on top yeah, of it. Yeah. So. so with people, because I'm always, I feel like when I watch athletes, that's the one thing I'm always wondering, what are they thinking? Because you see them display a lot of skill or just decision-making, and I'm always wondering, like, what, are they using intelligence? Is this just like a natural reaction for them or whatever? Do you find with athletes and everything that are a lot of them, like, um, 
are they intricate about how they are are they very uh simple people how they navigate their psychology or are they just very intricate because michael jordan i always would like to you know he would be a person i would like to talk to because you know when he wanted to win or when he wanted to get it done i'm always like what were you thinking mm-hmm. what decision making how aggressive was it like how hard were you you know his body obviously was aligning up with decisions he was making so i always wonder like are a lot of athletes intricately woven in their psychology as they know it or is it just more so it's just like simple for them um i think a little bit of both it probably depends on the athlete i know there's some athletes who um are really aware of their thoughts they're really aware of kind of like all those steps and processes and then a lot of it ends up coming down to muscle memory too so sometimes they don't even have to think about it anymore um and so that's actually part of what I do, too, is, like, your body knows it. We need to get your mind to be there with your body. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So talking about that, so the body functioning different than the psychology of all of it all, how many people, like, how is that something you're the person that's probably the practice for them and the fact that they have to constantly get information from on how to practice into uh sorry i'm over here thinking real fast you're fine just uh interconnecting you know it's kind of hard just to do that just to get through life to have to you know connect what's the body's going through and the mind Mm -hmm. so what are the um main things you would say athletes need to do to do that or just people in general because i think those things could help people what connects the body and the mind so that they function kind of in homeostasis Mm -hmm. um just general mindfulness is a huge thing it's a I mean, it's been around for a really, really long time, but um, a lot of people are trying to implement it back into practice and just being aware of what's happening. So, man, my body's sore. I wonder what I did. Like, and just kind of really thinking through that and be like, oh, that makes sense. Like I did, I worked out differently. I added weight or whatever the case may be. And then trauma is crazy too. So kind of being aware and processing events that have happened in your life because your body can hold on to trauma. Yeah. So... So this is interesting what we were just talking about because I watched a video on trauma and I was watching it and how that it affects the autonomic system and uh, definitely those stages and how, you know, you're either in flight or fight or then they, they named a third one to where you just kind of submit to whatever's going on. You just mm-hmm. kind of give in. So with athletes, are they usually because, you know, sports is real rambunctions. Life is real rambunctions, and you have to make decisions and pressure. Are they constantly in that autonomic stage of just having to go through fight or flight or just shut down? Most likely, yeah. Yeah. So um, off of the sports stuff, I would like to talk about, because this is a concept I like to think about with the brain, is that I tell Amanda all the time that I, it's interesting how when you look at it with the brain, everything, I think the skin, the bones, it's all kind of grown out of the brain. I said it's kind of creepy, like it's like spider legs <laughs> that just grow out of a out of one organism, and uh, it can feel, touch, taste. What do you think? Because you, I always said with COVID, I thought COVID was something that affected, because uh, it had so many different effects. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, so what's the common thing that one person like they had psychotic episodes, one person died from lung complications and all this stuff i was like you know the only thing that's common between that is the brain so i thought that they had you know the brain has a natural way of mapping out the body you know like with phantom limbs it can just still sense that you know whatever it mapped out it doesn't want to let that go Mm -hmm. what do you think about the concept that you know with covid and everything that it was something that went a little bit deeper and affected kind of what we were talking about the body's connection between the connection between mind and body i think it really did affect that and it did really tamper with that i honestly didn't even think about that aspect so <laughs> that's really interesting i mean yeah 
I wouldn't put it past it. I think the brain is much smarter than anyone is around. Yeah. Like, we, there's still so much we don't know about it and how it works. And so that would make a lot of sense. And then, I mean, I think there's a lot of, with COVID and how different people reacted, a lot of underlining issues. Like, if you were already um, predisposed to something in the past and weren't aware. This is but then stuff, your yeah. brain has a memory of that. This is what I was right. saying. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah, I was telling her that. I was... I'm a person, I was always, people would say, like, when I was a kid, like, you're like a psychologist. You're always analyzing behavior and stuff, and it's kind of weird. And what I think the most of that became real helpful when I was looking at the stuff with COVID. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense how, you know, a person, I've seen a, uh, one thing I read where a lady said her husband went into a psychotic episode and was talking about people he wanted to murder and wow. how he was sleeping with all these men behind her back and she was saying from what I know he's been straight he's never he came out of it he's like I don't even know what any of that was about so from a person that some people just drop dead and they don't even still know why they died from COVID I'm like the only thing it was that was the link to the body and the mind and mm-hmm. how strong it was weaved in there or experiences or genetic things that could have just made you disposed to being like you know withering away to this you know Right. I don't know, whatever they, I don't even know what to call COVID, but it's just, I don't know, it never got defined to me, but yeah. So with, in psychology, are, is it something that's like, you know, since you got, you know, you've seen to probably have read a lot of books or whatever and been through a lot of courses, do you find yourself uh, struggling to stay like a regular person from a person that's always analyzing what's going on around you? Because that's, <laughs> I, I know what it did for me. I get um, asked that a lot. So I actually bartend on the side. Yeah. Um, and so when people, I try to really avoid telling people what I do when I'm bartending because I'm able to compartmentalize. That's something I'm, I've practiced and I'm pretty good at. And yeah. so... Um, I can just shut that part of my brain off. I mean, there'll be times where I'm like, holy crap, this person went through something. Like, yeah. as a person, you can recognize that. Yeah, so it's not even it my there. psych background. It's just, wow, they seem really upset. Like, yeah. but other than that, I'm pretty much try to shut it off. And so I try to avoid telling anyone what I do while I bartend because they're like, oh, are you analyzing me? Oh, gosh, yeah. I need help. Do I, should I come to you? And it's typically like 60-year-old men. And I'm like, you know. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, it's definitely harder though, because yeah. I feel like my, honestly, my downfall because of my psych background is I give people way too many chances because mm. I'm like, oh, well they did this or this. And like, I can understand why people yeah, make the decisions that. they did. Yeah. And so a lot of times I'll cut people a lot of slack. I'm like, well, they probably were having a really bad day Yeah. where normal people be like, what the hell's wrong with you? And like yell at them. I'd be like, eh, they're probably having a bad day. I never understood that's probably why I'm I'm pretty long suffering with people mm-hmm. and I realized that yeah I'll be like I understand what you did so it's kind of like all right whatever but yeah that's interesting I didn't know I'm like man that's kind of probably what I do I think that's like the downfall because yeah. you should be like super angry at this person like I forgive people really easily like yeah. even if people have done me wrong I'm like that's on you I understand. like yeah. and I can really just like be like that's on you so yeah. That's probably why. <laughs> so do you think, um, I know one thing I do with what I learned in psychology was how to look back at my childhood or things that I mm-hmm. had been through and be like, oh, this is what led me to where I'm at now. Because mm-hmm. I've been through some crazy things in my life. And most people that know me, they'd be like, man, I didn't know you've been through all this crazy stuff. And I really, I tell people, I use my my understanding of the books I read and that really you could control how you navigate the mind. The mind is just not something you can't control. It's um just the lobes i feel like you can control them if you can get them to work in synchronization mm-hmm. and do what they're supposed to do you'll be able to do more than what you thought so i'd use that to kind of 
get through that. Like I lost my mom or I know had when I was a kid I had got bashed upside the head with a speaker and like what people probably considered because they told my mom I had Asperger's or whatever. So whatever, you know, I just, they told her I wouldn't be able to go to school. I had a lot of things that stacked up against me. Mm -hmm. I'm from the hood, grew up in the projects. I didn't have my dad around. I just went through a lot of crazy stuff in my life. And then so in my 30s, I was able to just look back over things, analyze how to deal with my psychology and how to get myself back to health. And I literally used understanding how to navigate the mind. And mm-hmm. Do you do that ever with going back and looking at things you went through as a kid, especially like in high school when you were probably, everybody seems to go through some kind of tough time or whatever through that point. But do you help yourself by like healing yourself? Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of times too, goes back to like kind of, um, this is, I am who I am because of what I went through. A lot of people, can recognize that but they don't really take the time to process it yeah so oh my dad made this decision like this is why i have this reaction when someone does this because my dad did that when i was six or whatever yeah um so yeah i think it definitely helps you that's just a really good way to be resilient honestly yeah i understand yeah because i think everyone has decisions and so you can choose to um say hey i had all these hardships i grew up in the hood the projects my dad wasn't around my mom said this this and that whatever and live a way different life than what you are so yeah yeah i definitely think it can help because you can just kind of understand people's decision making or like that that just all those kinds of things yeah so do you have any like because for me, I had been reading about the brain since I was about in fourth grade, and I would just be intrigued. And so, um, do you have, I believe in the sense of, I think if it wasn't for me reading about the brain, I wouldn't believe as much in mysticism as I did. Like some of the things that the brain can do or how the brain can get the body to do certain things, even heal. I've seen something where people were uh, just telling them, I, this time I, even back when I was in uh college i forget the course when they were considering it kind of like you know like like taboo or whatever but they were just chanting to themselves over and over and over and the brain seemed to had aligned with i think they had like cancer or something Mm -hmm. they had said it to themselves over and over that they were healed that eventually the body just lined up and it was healed so do you have any after getting into all this information about the brain do you have any sense of belief in mysticism and not like even maybe if it's typical like you know what other people do just in the sense of something beyond because the brain is so fine-tuned to do what it does, kind of just by itself? Um, I would say, I'm a little confused what you're asking, but I think so. Uh, in a sense, <laughs> uh, not even spirituality, because I know everybody's not into that, mm-hmm. but just the fact that the brain is attuning to something else. Like, this is, like, it's something beyond the brain that would be having... Because I believe the brain is is attuning to the environment more than what we give it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a do, and it, it That's why we a, have our senses, so it can send messages to the brain. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. I had to believe beyond that point like well what's stimulating it beyond the point in which we're stimulating ourselves Mm -hmm. because when you're getting because i remember reading books and stuff about like instincts and then you understand or just literally picking up things even two minutes before they happen like something's going to happen and your brain's got Mm -hmm. you kind of you're sweating or you're you know you're salivating so to me it, it was like well the brain is attuning to something a little bit beyond maybe what we understand to get it to function that well Mm -hmm. so i just always wonder with people who have understood the brain and you know and, you know you've read a lot and probably had a lot of experience with it just understanding how the brain works but i mean beyond what i did because i just read the books i read and was like what and would read and just kind of be tripped out and so with your particular study do you just believe that there's something 
I don't know. Well, I guess it starts at, are you a religious person? Do you believe in, like, God or do you believe in anything? Um, I'm one of those people. I've honestly gone back and forth because I grew up Christian mm-hmm, and then too, yeah. kind of had a wonky experience in my, mm-hmm. like, early high school. And I was like, this is weird. Yeah. And then, so I still kind of have been, like, I mean, there's been times where I'm like, okay, there definitely is. But kind of what you're saying I know there's got to be something, right? Yeah. So it's like, what is it? I think my science brain gets too conflicted mm-hmm. with what I want to feel, probably. So um, I'm still kind of like just there in the middle. I mean, my mom is, they go to church all the time. My stepdad, my sister actually goes to a private Christian college. So yeah, yeah. it's in my life. So it's not like I'm, I don't deny it, but I'm also not like full heartedly like, oh yeah, because my science brain. Yeah, I understand. So that's what I always think that, you know. I always think that science is celebrating what's beyond what we don't understand. I don't mm-hmm. think God is some guy with a beard that sins and, you know, because I grew up real Christian. Mm-hmm. Like more Christian probably than what people would think. And I mean, to the point that everything was a sin, everything. You were going to hell for everything. Even if I was sitting up here and my grandmother heard me talking about this stuff about the brain and being able, she'd be like, no, that's a sin. God, you know, it's just God. And, right. you know, and so. I, but I do believe in there's something beyond us. And mm-hmm. so I'm thinking if there's something beyond us. I think that's why we have a brain to sense it. It gives mm-hmm. us our personality and to attune us to our environment, whether it's the colors we like, the people we, we are attracted to or whatever in our lives. So I just I guess I was just asking, do you believe that the brain is attuning to something that's a little bit more beyond us? Yeah. Sense of because of its complexity. I think you would be naive to not think that there is anything because yeah. I, th- I kind of think of like um, Marvel, yeah. like all the different worlds. Like we yeah. probably do yeah. have a God for Earth, but yeah. what's yeah. not stopping us from having 10 other gods or yeah. Yeah. rulers or whatever it is so that's kind of yeah yeah so where um where did you go to college at right state University. Right state. okay mm-hmm. yeah you said that and, yep. and, and so where you got your master's there as well i did what uh what was the uh hardest class i know some of the stuff that i took was hard was when they start getting into stuff as far as uh I, mean, I forget because they were getting into like statistics and stuff and mm-hmm. all this other stuff and I, it was, I thought it would sound like well, that sounds easy but then when you got into it it was so intricate it was like this is hard but what was the hardest thing you had to learn while taking on you know your lessons in psychology um I would honestly stay, say like stats was probably hard because you had to take research into consideration and then yeah. say it was like way more science based yeah and then there was math involved and I'm terrible at math yeah um so stats was pretty hard that's the only class that sticks out to me of like holy crap i never want to take that again yeah what was the most interesting i think mine was the psychology and sex and just it opened my mind especially it was uh psychology and sex and history and how sex has evolved over the years i think that was just a like a whoa i didn't know it was i was young i didn't understand how sex could be so cultural or so determined by times or whatever mm-hmm. everything i think that was very interesting and also stereotypes and uh prejudice and how they become what they are and how they get Mm -hmm. to where they are it really taught me how the brain picks up the things we experience and day-to-days and then we kind of use them sometimes as weapons or just like to keep ourselves in certain states so that we don't have to i really took it so that we don't have to process or we can just keep it the way it is Mm -hmm. you know you compartmentalize yeah compartmentalization Mm -hmm. yeah so what was the most enlightening class for you in your studies um i think it was a lot of like learning of the history of psychology so Mm -hmm. like how how ahead I felt like people were so oh, yeah, so yeah. long ago and then just how it's evolved then because like a lot of people are like oh is Freud still the father of psychology I'm like Ew, no 
Like, <laughs> I mean, he's he started a lot of it, but yeah. I'm like times have changed so yeah, yeah. it's not all penis and v still so <laughs> yeah so what was the most what of the uh of the psychologist stood out to you i don't really i never really were interested in all i mean they all were interesting people and they had interesting ways of <laughs> engaging their environment whatever i think I, freud stood out to me the most because he seemed to be the one that was to me him and einstein were like on to the fact that there was something beyond us i think mm-hmm. Einstein with the relativity and stuff was discovering that there was a veil between us that something there was something beyond us beyond space or whatever but it was right in front of us I think Freud was kind of getting on to the fact that you know that that we're processing something deep there's something that's mm-hmm. like processing information there's something in us that's do like where's the information going and why is it dreams and stuff and dreams are so complex so I think he was the first person that made maybe because he was high I don't know but he made a lot of deep references to why psychology was going and where it was going and yeah. you know when and where why so but what stood out to you probably that honestly dreams are like fascinating to me i'm yeah. like what mm-hmm. so like your brain's trying to process something and mm-hmm. um i've really gotten like because i talk in my sleep sometimes so when i'm stressed <laughs> i talk in my sleep so yeah. i think that's interesting because some people can be clear as day you can have full-fledged conversations with people some people just ramble yeah. like, why do you talk in your sleep so mm-hmm. like I think that's intriguing because same thing where is it going why is it doing that why does your brain have to then process those events out loud while you're in REM sleep yeah are you in REM sleep like there's all these different avenues like it's crazy I know another one that was very interesting as well is when I took a class on psychology and eyesight and so they broke down all of the mechanics of how you see things and how it's inverting stuff Mm -hmm. and how much the you know just the eyeball in itself is doing so much processing before the, it gets to the brain and then the brain and it's like and it's quick it's and just... it's quick yeah so that was where I was really like stuff like that I'm a person that I don't have to know all the details but just in the sense of like what are the odds that you could be like just in me looking forward like I could be processing stuff mm-hmm. like, like your brain is attuned to process things way faster than maybe we think you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying maybe it maybe we've just been socialized or whatever whatever we think to you know move slow with the brain but the brain is definitely able to do i think that's like what you do with athletes i think those are the people who use it like making those quick decisions Mm -hmm. and being able to do stuff real fast so yeah it's pretty amazing and that's mindfulness i mean it's just being aware like being aware that that's something that's happening being aware that um your body knows what to do before you can maybe think of it because of muscle memory so yeah so um what was the least what do you think uh, in psychology is the least like that's trash like what did you have any thoughts on psychology as a concept that you think is just kind of bullshit there's no really contribution at all um trying to think nothing that comes to mind i mean maybe if someone brought something up i'm like oh yeah that's kind of crazy yeah yeah. (laughs) so do um with what you're studying in are you going to be working like is it something you do online or do you do in person when you do the uh when you start doing dealing with the sports in psychology so it's typically in person um a lot of stuff just because of covid is online now like yeah. um i met a new client um sports site client and we facetimed so okay, yeah um but they like signed consent forms and just saying that like i can't confirm co- confidentiality but sports psych is a little different than like one-on-one counseling because it's 
typically just performance related. Um, uh, okay. But I'm right. a holistic person, so I, I look at the whole picture, the whole athlete. Yeah. So, okay, you're in a slump. Something's going on. Yeah, like, you're yeah. not in a slump just because you forgot how to play softball or yeah, baseball. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're in a slump because your parents are fighting or – which is typically what happens with high school athletes. Mm. So, they're stressed about college. Their friend didn't Snapchat them back. Their parents are fighting, right? So, all yeah. these things. So, um, taking all that into consideration. And so, sometimes you kind of do dapple <clears> – <throat> excuse me – into uh. the little bit of counseling piece. Um, but it's not as in-depth. Um, but you have to take all those things into consideration when working with athletes because it is things that affects them. They are still a person. They are still, like, dealing with life stuff yeah. on top of that extra layer of having to perform their sport. So do you have anybody that uh, any of the athletes ever, like, break down or have, like, you know, meltdowns in front of you? Do you have to bring people back to center or? Um, Not typically. I feel like athletes definitely just, like, they okay. just like hold yeah. their front um don't really want to break down i've seen a lot of athletes super excited like i worked with this athlete um in college and he got injured and then the psych of it made him nervous so he wasn't playing well at all yeah. he was afraid of um re-injure he was um an international student so he was like i can't go back like all these things right so yeah. now we have all these extra factors of like yeah. he's there on a scholarship he's international whatever yeah. Um, so we worked on getting the psych back of like, look, you're cleared. Like you're cleared by this person, this person, this person. Yeah. So we did some like kind of trickery of, hey, why don't you just like wrap your knee and make kind of give you that peace of mind that like if you were to get re-injured, you'd be okay. Like yeah. it would be wrapped and it worked. Like he basically just had to trick his mind, kind of like the phantom mm. limb type of thing that yeah. he was good. And we did it a couple times and then he was good and he was so excited. He was like, I played so great last night. And so he yeah. was like literally just had so much joy so that was really cool to see that's good yeah. so do you plan on ever do like you know do you plan on stopping here with what you're doing or do you plan on taking it further developing your own practice what would you do if you took it like just a step further or just say 10 years down the line what would you be doing if you're in this so currently my goal is to get into a counseling or into a college um yeah. but be housed in the athletic department so that way i can provide counseling services to the athletes as well as mental performance consulting yeah, yeah. um so kind of doing both and then in those roles you're essentially the liaison between the athlete and the coach because like joe's not going to go to his coach and be like hey my parents have been fighting all night like i really am not feeling practice today like could i do practice later tonight instead like yeah. so i could go to them like hey they're dealing with some shit can we just like push it like he'll okay, still do yeah. practice i'll make sure he's accountable whatever yeah. um or do the workout typically it's like a workout but um so that would be the that's the goal i would hope to be there like in five years and then yeah. Really what I would like, like my big, big dream goal is to um, do like consulting and go to different colleges like over the country and like that implement new programs. That would be nice. Yeah. That would and be then, really good. Yeah. yeah. So like, hey, this is like a really good like psychology based like program that you can use with athletes that mm -hmm. helps performance. Like do this twice a week and they'll be good type of thing. Like so, but so, just cater it to their program, obviously. So you have a... Uh do you have a natural desire to want to help people? Yeah. Because you saying, yeah. So what is that? Has that been since you since you got into psychology before? Probably before. I mean, I originally wanted to do nursing. Yeah. Um, 
my mom my mom helps a lot of people too so i think it's just from her naturally just being around her my whole life uh she was an emt for a while oh yeah so that's what first got me interested i was like wow you could help someone like right away like yeah. the minute they're injured and i was like this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna like go into the medical field yeah. and so that's just kind of what i was stuck on way before that when i was a little tyke yeah. i wanted to be a teacher so yeah. it's always been in some avenue um and then obviously as i've grown and been like oh teachers don't make crap which is stupid they should make all the money I mean, they should, yeah, they should make stupid, all the yeah. money um but yeah so it's just gradually progressed and then psychology is the only thing really that's kept my interest that long that yeah. still intrigues me that i still feel is so applicable to all different avenues yeah so so is it do you have an active one to just help people in general is it geared towards children or just people because I know once you have, you know, you get understanding, you know, behavior through psychology and just reading about it. You, ha I know me, I always try to help people and mm -hmm. in a sense of being like a, I'm the oldest brother and kind of like that. So it's always feel like I'm some kind of big brother sometimes to people. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, hey, man, just kind of, people think my advice is funny, but I tell people, I think a very strong part of psychology is washing your ass and like taking happiness to that. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I knew somebody that worked at a psych ward. They said they had a woman come in there and she was so mentally deteriorated that she had mushrooms growing out of like her, like her lower areas. Like, you know, so that when I heard that, I'm like, you know, it really, I was in college then too so I was like yo well washing your ass is definitely attributed to how <laughs> like your mental process is doing but yeah so I mean even on that subject do you end up giving your like family advice or do they come to you do you, you have to be there you have siblings yeah so I'm actually the oldest too that's funny oh, yeah, that you say yeah. that so I'm naturally just like the let me take care of you and protect yeah, you yeah, type yeah. of person um because they're 10 and 7 years younger than me oh okay yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. yeah so my middle sister she's expecting so I was one yeah. of the first people she she's like I don't know what to do. like sheer panic so I'm like okay just breathe like it's fine yeah. so definitely you kind of just by default end up being the person people call like do you have a second like a lot of my friends will be like i need to process something with you i'm like okay okay but yeah. i do it with my friends too i'm like i need to bounce this off someone like yeah. you know me the best like let me talk to you so people with psychology backgrounds you should still have those people that you can do that with yeah 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 do you ever um have you ever um man i forgot the question that quick i was going to ask it have you ever had to um tell anybody to get the hell away from you in a sense of like I don't want to do this anymore because I know with me some people are trying to take advantage of the fact I'm so giving mm -hmm. or in a sense I like to because I like to analyze things or I like the human behavior is interesting because there's so many there's a multiplicity of reasons that could be just for one reason you know it could be so many reasons and the time that it started if it was youth or was it trauma they experienced mm -hmm. in their older age and so I mean for me it's like science it's like Exercise. So when people come to me with a problem, I'll, an I'll genuinely analyze it, and, I'll, and it usually helps. I'm like, oh, well, you know, if you try that, do you ever – I've been taken advantage of. Have you ever been taken advantage of for being oh, that type absolutely. of – Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Does it, how does it make you feel? Like shit? I mean <laughs> – No, I mean in the sense of like uh, – I don't know, because I know when I try to really try to help people, in the sense of the person that you want to help people, in the sense that people take – because I don't understand people because – people seem to want help but then they don't i think that's like human like i don't know contradiction or whatever but mm -hmm. i don't know so i was more so getting it on how you felt about it from more like a stand back sense that people do this in general they yeah. want help but then they don't they want oh, it they happens get it. all the time yeah yeah i have people who start therapy and um 
they're really adamant and gun ho about it and then we start kind of delving in a little bit deeper and then they start canceling and then they'll come in and then they're like yeah i can't talk about that today i would just want to talk about this so like it really depends on where people are at and their acceptance of stuff like you yeah. have to get to a point where you're just like all right all that bad stuff happened yeah it's in the past though like you can't change that it happened it is what it is how can i move forward or change my actions now because of that yeah and i think you know which is i think mostly the human problem anyways i think people don't want to deal with themselves i think you know people don't want to do it so bad that they almost don't think that is when you let them know that is what they're supposed to do you can see it click like mm-hmm. oh i didn't know yeah i know i think an interesting thing about me i think my mother i don't think she feminized me but she made me when i was young be like deal with your emotions if you have them you cry or if you feel sad and most people mistake me a lot because i'm expressive mm-hmm. so if i'm not happy if i'm not i'm just going to express it i don't feel like holding it feels unnatural to hold it mm-hmm. in i have to express i'm not happy it may not even be a problem or so do you think that express because getting into people being comfortable to enough to express themselves is like i think a big problem i think especially in the united i mean i think all over the world but i think it's I, mostly the united states yeah though. united states though people don't like feel comfortable with expression at all it's mm-hmm. almost if the concept comes upon them to even do it they're like oh my god they start you've seen i've seen grown men sweat or mm-hmm. looking like they're going to pass out because they have to deal with them, maybe the fact that they're sad or they maybe they want to do cry and like mm-hmm. me i'll cry i mean i don't which mm-hmm. I think is great. I think our society has really downplayed it to be like, you can't show... It's funny, though, because anger is, like, the most accepted emotion. Yeah. Everyone can be angry. People are like, oh, they're angry. Like, and it's completely fine. But if you're sad or you're crying or you're laughing hysterically because you're that, you have that much joy, people are like, why are they laughing so loud? Yeah, yeah. It's so bizarre to... I agree. It's so bizarre to me because I think you should be able to express your emotions. I ask a lot of my clients, I'm like, when's the last time you cried? Like... Sometimes you just need a good cry. It's actually a coping skill. It's cathartic. It feels yeah. good. Then, like, it's like a huge relief because, like you said, you're just holding all of this in. I don't like. Yeah, you need to let it out. Like that's your body telling you, like you need to let it out. But people have just been taught just shove it down, shove it down, shove it down. I think society. I think American society kind of with the rush along, take care of your bills. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people too are worried about what other people think, even if they don't think they are. I think a lot of people. A lot of what they think is to think about what other people are thinking. Mm-hmm. So I think as soon as you do that, you have to push down whatever you're naturally feeling, whatever is really yep. going on. So, yeah, the expression thing, I don't know. I know a few people that, I mean, they even had things going on with their family members. And I'm like, hey, man, if you need to cry, you know, I lost my mom. If you need to talk and just to look on their face, like cry. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, I don't know what, you know, I don't know. So it's, I think if people express more and not in a sense of, if you feel like punching somebody in the face, you know, I don't mean you have to express it by punching somebody right. in the face, but you probably might, you can say like, man, you're making me feel like I want to punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. I think if people did that, it wouldn't even come down to a lot of fights a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I think if people just got it off their chest, people start punching and just doing communicated. Yeah. <laughs> people do the crazy stuff they do because they feel like they need to repress it. So I just feel like it jumps out or people mm-hmm. do stuff like shoot or do whatever they do, kill and. I'm a person who believes in expression. I believe when I first graduated and like I was in high school, so high school where I was from, it was like the hood. So I'm from the hood. So it was like expression was like, what is that? Some gay shit? You know, Mm -hmm. people looked at it like that, especially back in the 90s and like early 2000s. So it wasn't really where I was from. But when I got out, I started writing poetry. I started designing clothes. Right. I started doing all this create. I didn't even know I was creative because like I felt like I held in everything I had and expressed. So by the time I got to 18, 19, I was just like, Ugh. I was just throwing it all out. Right. Like I was had all these things to get off my chest. And 
I can say that expression is something that people should have some way of doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that the people, even the people that do the sinister things they do, and sometimes, like, you know, with killing, like, people in the crowds and everything, you can sometimes see it with the people. They had no outlet. You can see it in their face that they were just mm-hmm. expressing to them probably wasn't even an option. They, if you probably told them that, that they probably needed outlets to express themselves in, they'd be like, oh, I, don't, I wasn't even thinking about that. They probably don't even know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Right. So expression, what do you, do you feel... I mean, because you seem so you've dealt with athletes and you've dealt with people who aren't athletes, right? Mm-hmm. So, what do you do? You see, with people that are constantly having the problems that they're having, that expression is probably a common denominator between what's causing the problem. Absolutely, a lot of counseling too is like psychoeducation, and so educating people. Um, I have a lot of, I mean, I'm running. Uh, me and a couple other facilitators at my work are running a group right now with 11 and 12 year olds, and we're mm. showing them. Um, it's called DBT, so dialectical behavioral therapy. Yeah. Um, and so you basically show them how to be aware of their emotions, how it's connected to your thoughts, how it makes, how it's all connected, right? Mm-hmm. And then how to express those emotions. And so the fact that I have to teach a 11 year old how to identify the emotion that they're feeling, like that just tells you right there. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of education. And I think that's the thing too, is like a lot of people, like your mom, which I think is great, they don't say, hey, it's okay to cry. They're like, hey, stop crying, stop crying. Why are you crying? You can't cry. Like, yeah, you can cry. Like, just use your yeah. word, teach them how to use their words of why they are upset. Yeah. Like, they don't understand a lot of kids, too. I think it starts when you're a kid. Like, you don't, you know you're feeling something, but you don't know what it is. And so the parent's job should be to say, hey, like, yes. talk to me. Like, yeah. is your tummy upset? Are you feeling this? Like, what are, like, what are your symptoms, basically? Let's work through and see what emotion you're feeling. Yeah. And then identify and be like, oh, that's sadness. And then they're like, oh, this is sadness. So then when it starts triggering and happening, they can be like, mom, I'm sad. Yeah. Right? So a lot of it starts very young and it doesn't happen. And it's a lot of societal stuff of like, my kid can't be crying in the store. Like, everyone's going to... Th- no, let your kid cry in the store. Like, yeah. that's how they're expressing themselves. Just let them do it. Is it annoying? Yes. But it would. it's going to be much more detrimental later down the road if you don't let them cry yeah, It's a store. natural process that exactly. some people just have to go through. I exactly. know my mother always would give me that option. She, I think the reason I'm so poised or I can deal with my emotions or my thoughts or whatever is because she said, if you got to cry, you're going to cry. Just don't act a fool. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Let it out. All right. Go through your emotions come out of it you know Mm -hmm. so yeah and that's mindfulness it's acknowledging it sitting with it and then Mm -hmm. letting it pass so you're gentle about it you're not being aggressive like you you big baby like a lot of people get really negative self-talk when they're upset or something but mindfulness is being aware of the emotion just sitting with that emotion like why am i sad processing it like man this sucks like Mm -hmm. this is how i'm feeling this is why all these things and then be like all right that was good. Like, let's just let it pass now. So, and so that brings up another subject of just like rearing and parenting, which I think is like a reason that why everybody that is crazy in the world doing all the crazy things they're doing and why we're looking at them like, what in the hell is because a lot of people I don't think get reared properly. And I'm not talking about whoopings and spankings and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I don't think a lot of people get taught the concept of empathy or the concept of love of esteem of self or. Mm-hmm. Some people are extremely jealous in life or they go through tearing everybody else down because nobody taught them about just like the understanding of appreciation for other people and Mm -hmm. their lives and stuff. So I think a lot of problems that we have in life is because of the fact that that person that's cutting you off on on the highway acting like they're a damn maniac is because they don't understand empathy. They just understand what they want Mm -hmm. and getting what they want. And so I don't think, you know, 
things are always disciplined as in hitting and all of that stuff. But I think that it's all if even if you have to spank your child or do whatever, it should come down to some point of not even just hitting them because you're frustrated. It's corrective behavior and saying, this is what you're doing. This is the line you're crawling, mm-hmm. crossing. This is why this is happening. So even if you do put your hands on your child, they walk away like, well, I shouldn't have just been, uh, I don't know what kids do. I shouldn't have. Uh, cross the street without yeah, looking. Yeah, crossing the street without looking. I shouldn't have just ran into the street. You know, that freaks parents out. Mm-hmm. They make go, don't do that again. You know, hit them on the bottom. And that's not because mom wanted to hit you. That was more so because you have to understand it is very drastic that you don't get hit by a something that weighs a ton you know but they don't take the time to explain that to the child they they have to explain the Mm -hmm. discipline so yeah i think rearing and childhood is like people take it for granted they think because children are so resilient or they think children are dumb and they think they're not picking anything up so intelligent yeah they pick up everything literally everything yeah and i read i was it was a video i was reading something one time that i was watching i can't remember but it was saying that they were like literally the you know the physiology of the brain that it's in its most intelligent state sometimes is when the child is a baby it's mm-hmm. so uh, susceptible to information and processing it and placing it properly most adults can't do that so this is a part of the childhood where like or the lifespan i think where people need to show love and mm-hmm. empathy and respect and intelligence and i just think that that's why a lot of chill people bless their hearts they just didn't get the rearing or maybe even the experiences that mm-hmm. they needed or get them explained to them so that they could be able to process it. Which brings me back to your last question of what was my favorite class, which was lifespan development because yeah. of those reasons. You're like, yeah. oh my gosh, like that's such a crucial age. Yeah. It was so intriguing because you don't think about it. I mean, mm-hmm. you you can say like, oh, they probably had a crappy childhood, yeah. but a lot of things are learned behaviors. I mean, it really is. It's just we passed can apply on. that to everything. It's just passed on. But yeah. Yep. So do you you were um, said you're from the inner city, right? Mm-hmm. What was it like? Because I heard that part, some parts of Columbus can be real. And so what part did you grow up in? Um, like South Side, like High Street, Parsons Avenue area. What was your, uh, what was your neighborhoods and like your neighbor, you know? Uh, not great. I mean, we had um, like one of my houses growing up in the house got shot up. Like and then our house got shot up on accident. Like Yeah, I heard it was pretty real with the shooting mm-hmm. down there in certain parts of Columbus. I didn't yeah. know that until I was in college. I didn't know it was that real. Yeah. It was pretty, I mean, it was different. <laughs> we had, like, um, I mean, we had, I think towards the end of high school is when they finally got in high school, like, um, metal detectors. Yeah. Um, but then the middle schools were weird because, like, a couple middle schools came together to a high school, which I think mm-hmm. is common now. But then mm-hmm. it was, like, kind of bizarre. So you would have people from, like, inner city mixing in with some people who are just kind of on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. So it was a really good mix. But, I mean, there was... Um, this one time this girl pulled a razor blade out of her mouth to fight someone like in school so like that's kind of what my day-to-day was like yeah we call that a buck 50 that yeah Yeah. (laughs) so yeah so yeah we grew up like that metal detectives and i mean we grew up in five oaks mostly in uh in uh in dayton so Mm -hmm. we grew up there i've seen crazy stuff i grew up in the projects in south carolina and uh i don't know if you remember this but your parents would definitely remember. Do you remember Suzanne Smith, the lady that put her kids in the lake in South Carolina? I think so. Yeah, I was living in that town when they did that. Oh, okay. So I grew up around a lot of, like, I grew up having to, um, like, fight, like, you know, racism. It was real crazy. At that time, we couldn't even go to school. So wow. I've lived in a series of crazy neighborhoods in my whole life and situations. So It definitely you, defines who you are. So that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. So do you feel like growing up, were you always, were you a person, some people are always scared living in the city. Some people are always, 
angry. Some people are always lit. Some people are always partying. What were you know? What was your psychological state just being in that environment? Um, I felt like a lot of time I was like, what the hell is happening? Like yeah, I was just yeah. I was very aware, but I was like, this is wild. Like, yeah, but yeah. then it just became normal, right? Yeah. So then my mom, my junior year of high school, she moved me because it was what was best for me and I we still talk about it because I was like I was so mad at you because it's all I knew and she took she just plucked me right out of it and took me to a new school and I was like why would you do that well she it was culture shock for me she transferred me to like an all-white school like in the country Mm. like they had tractor day and I was Mm. like what the hell did you bring me to (laughs) like everyone was afraid of me because I was from inner city and I'm like I've never even like what like I'm a little white girl like why are you afraid of me so it was wild like I had no friends like it sucked so I think that's really like um I'm I've naturally been just like independent yeah um and pretty just yeah self-sufficient my whole life so I think that helped too but I mean I think that was a big part of it I can't say where I'd be though like if she didn't do that because that definitely like defined that was like a defining moment for me like without uh, being a doubt. in the, uh being from 11th grade on yeah like the, transferring because like yeah. i really had to be like oh this is this is like how other people feel like they're judging me and i've never even like talked to these people just yeah. because of where i'm from like i'm like that's wild yeah, so i think yeah. then i was like what is wrong with people like i started kind of like identifying like i'm like man people just suck yeah. <laughs> yeah. sometimes so but it's a lot of where they come from. Yeah, yeah. So did you grow up? Because I know in Columbus, from what I've never, I've only gone there to go to places like the Easton or mm-hmm. maybe to visit a few friends up there, but they were living by like Ohio State or whatever. Was it, you said it was 60-40. Was that 60% black people or was that 60% white people, 40%? I don't remember. It was a mix. I mean, it felt like I could pull up the statistics for you, but. No, no. Probably, I, there honestly probably were more white people, but it didn't feel like it at the time. Yeah. But maybe 50-50, who knows? Okay. So, I mean, I don't, I would have never pictured you somebody from the inner city. So, right. I didn't, yeah. So, I think that's pretty interesting. Do you think that, uh, like, it made you, you being able to get into psychology, because I always like me connecting experiences. Mm-hmm. You being in the inner city and then moving to the, you know, suburbs and then going through those experiences. Do you think that you being in psychology that was able to even make you be open to all the information, having to have an open mind? Because it seemed like the environment you and you had to have an open, open mm-hmm. mind no matter where you were. So, right. do you th- are you do you consider yourself open minded? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to hold you up anymore. I enjoyed talking to oh, you. Oh yeah, this was great. No, it was fun. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have to have you on, and maybe when you start, you know, getting into other parts of your you know career or profession and information, we'll have to have you on so we could talk about more stuff. Yeah, that'd be awesome. All right, we'll catch you guys later. All right, thanks.